For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Hello there, and welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. I'm your co-host, Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hello, Jenny. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. In this episode, we're going to talk about imposter syndrome and why it might actually be a problematic concept. Yeah, I actually love this. You brought this topic up. You slacked an article to me this weekend, and Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about it ever since. So yeah, let's go. Let's dive in. Yeah. So I sent you this article because someone I respect on LinkedIn actually posted it and reposted it. It's now almost two years old. And this article is from the Harvard Business Review and it's called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. And the woman who posted it said that this is, I think, one of the most top downloaded HBR articles in the history of its like 100 years of publication. And so I just, I kind of vaguely remember this when it came out, but I think that was a somewhere in the middle of 2021 was a very distracted time for me. So I just clicked through and I read it and then I reread it and then I started weeping and then I sent it to you and then I started sending you line by line excerpts of it and then I read it again and then I thought we should really think about talking about this on the podcast. Yeah. I think, you know, even in our coaching calls and our programs, this is probably through different people may not say, oh, I feel like I have imposter syndrome, but so much about our coaching is around this, even though we may not necessarily call it out. Yeah. So I think it's like incredibly, incredibly common for any woman who has achieved any sort of tiny little bit of success. We all don't think we deserve to be here or we're going to get found out. But Jenny, let's start talking about just those two words, imposter and syndrome. I find this part of the article really, really powerful. Well, yeah, I was very taken by the word syndrome and the analysis mm-hmm. of that word. And it's, it's sort of the authors link it to the word hysteria, like in women and how the fact that this syndrome pretty much 
<laughs> applies to women and to people of color and how the fact that it's called a syndrome just relates it back to there being like a clinical diagnosis or like, like something actually something wrong with you like if you have something a wrong with you mm-hmm. if you have a syndrome I thought was really telling and I had never considered that before encountering this article yeah and even the word imposter means like you are fraudulent or faking or like yeah. doing something wrong, like seriously. Or criminal. They say crim- it implies like criminality. Criminal and you're going to mm-hmm. get found out. You're going to like, you're going to get mm-hmm. caught. Right. Mm-hmm. So those two words together, whether we're conscious of that or not, are just so loaded when you yeah. say that I'm just experiencing imposter syndrome. Like you're going to yeah, get caught totally. and you're, something is seriously wrong with you. Yeah. And in fact, one of the sections that I sent you, it says, in truth, we don't belong because we were never supposed to belong. Our presence in most of these spaces is a result of decades of grassroots activism and begrudgingly developed legislation. And then it says academic institutions and corporations are still mired in the cultural inertia of the good old boys clubs and white supremacy. And then it just goes on and on. But it says the answer to overcoming imposter syndrome is not to fix individuals, but to create an environment that fosters a variety of leadership styles and in which diverse racial, ethnic and gender identities are seen as just as professional as the current model. Right. And I think that that's like so freaking powerful to read and to think about. And I just remember, I just, as I read that, I remember my first encounter with the idea of imposter syndrome and my first exposure to it as a theory was my first semester at Yale in graduate school, where I definitely felt like I had been let in by mistake. And as like an essentially like a high school dropout kid, activist kid who kind of like scrapped her way into an Ivy League institution and like definitely felt like I snuck in the back door. And then after talking to a few women who were becoming my friends, realizing that they all felt that way. And then one of my friend Rosie pointed out this article about imposter syndrome. And then we were like, oh, wow, this is just a thing. But it's it's just so on so many levels, this article relates to me because I remember actually like first encountering the idea and feeling like it really validated my experience. And it was really helpful as a framework for me at the time. But now, however many years later, 15, 20 years later, you know, being the CEO of a company and seeing the structural inequities that have affected my life and my career and seeing actually how this entire quote unquote syndrome is so problematic mm-hmm. as well. Like it's just really fascinating to think about the complexity of the idea. Yeah. But I also want to say, like, I disagree with that line that you read out. Like, it's not something to be fixed at the individual level. Like, of course, we would love to have the culture change, just like we don't want patriarchy and racism and all that. But that's not going to happen anytime soon, right? But it will start to happen, I believe, if we are able to recognize what's happening and sort of fix it from inside too, because we don't have to just like, oh, it's not my fault. I can't do anything about it. We can start to not use the facts against us. Like the fact that you and your friends are in Yale is a fact, obviously, but then you can start to like, it's like cognitive dissonance. Like you see yourself Mm -hmm. at Yale, you're sitting in a class, you've got all the evidence in front of you that you're actually at Yale, but your brain is like, you don't belong here. So it's like Mm -hmm. these two opposing worlds that don't, you can't match them up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I heard Carl Lowenthal say it this way with imposter syndrome. She says, it's like, you want to believe in empowerment, but Mm -hmm. you don't feel empowered. Mm -hmm. 
it's like a nice ideal. Like, oh, let's women mm-hmm. go go to Ivy League and go build businesses. <laughs> but like inside the feeling, the emotions mm-hmm. are like, oh, hell no, I can't. I'm scared. I'm uncertain. You know, I'm doubtful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I totally get what you're saying. And I agree with you to a point. And I also agree with the authors, right? Yeah, because I think both on some level, it is an inside job. And I do think that early on in my career and in my academic life, like learning about imposter syndrome helped me to mm-hmm. build self-confidence and to feel like my experience was normalized. And like, it was very powerful actually as a framework for me to do the inside individual work that like gave me the confidence to build out like an entire program there that never existed. And to like, you know, to do a lot of things that springboarded my career and my life. And then, right, like there's the flip side, which is what these authors are talking about, which is this like constant beating by society of like beating you back, right? And so at some point it stops being an inside job and you just start to realize that there is like real trauma associated with being a woman high achiever in the society. Like Mm -hmm. that there's constant Mm -hmm. societal pressure to sort of stay small and to kind of keep you in your place. Like, yes, come, we welcome you. We're elevating you to this level and yet no higher, right? The, the glass ceiling. And so I see both sides. And at some point in the last two to three years, I would say that the societal forces like became so powerful in my life, in my career, that it's beyond an inside job. Like obviously mm-hmm. I can change and affect certain things, but there's also, there was like a realization for me, that only to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, it's super valuable to know that it's not like you, like there's something yeah. truly wrong with you and that's why I can't achieve this level of whatever you're trying to do and acknowledge. It's just like understanding how the patriarchy affects and like the socialized conditioning that we've all received. Like it's so welcoming to just like, okay, it just feels so good to understand that the struggles that you have are not all you, that there is this conditioning, this societal programming that we've all received. And that to a big, like a very big degree is why we sometimes struggle when we go to put ourselves out there as, as achievers or as entrepreneurs or as climbing the corporate ladder or whatever. But then we have to do something about it, right? Or those structures mm-hmm. will never, ever change. But yeah, it's really, really helpful to understand that it's like, oh, this is what I've been told for many years. This is why I get treated this way. This is why Mm -hmm. we're always patted on the head and said, good job, girls. You should be so proud of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You and I are both going to drop kick the next person that says that to either one of us. I'm not interested, but like you guys should, you girls should be really proud of yourself. Yeah. Seriously. This is a hold my beer situation. Next time I hear that. It's like, (laughs) all right. All right, down with the patriarchy. And I, I would say it's like not just the patriarchy here, like it's capitalism, right? But it's mm-hmm. capitalism rooted in the patriarchy. Yeah. So this article, I think, is also really important. And the fact that it's so widely shared and downloaded and consumed is because I think once you get to a certain level of success in our culture, at least in this version, in like North American business culture as a woman, you inevitably get told that like the reason that you're not more successful or the reason that you're struggling is because of this like internalized stuff, right? And I think that so many women have done so much work on themselves. Like I feel like every woman that I talk to in business and in entrepreneurship 
either has coaches or therapists or like they're doing a lot of self-development work. And like when I'm around the dudes in business, like that is not where the conversation focuses. It is on like, how do we get from here to there? How do I achieve this next rung on the ladder of success? It's not like, how do I reflect on why this is challenging? Like it's just this, there's just something like, it's just a little off for mm-hmm. us as women. And I think as women who are high achievers, we want to do everything in our power to fix whatever problems or address whatever difficulties we're encountering. But like, I think that the attention <laughs> can't only be focused on the self-development and the internal. And like, how do I improve the way I show up as a public speaker? Or how do I improve my communication style or my like idea of self? Like, yes, and yes, and, but. And yeah. Also, maybe there's no amount of self-work you do that's going to change that circumstance for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the real problem. So you need both. And I think by pushing, like we are so humble and so easy to think that it's all us and it's our own work. And it's just damn well not. It's not. I think it is the end for sure Mm -hmm. here. And one of the things in this article was talking about that confidence, like men are so much more, you know, arrogant and confident and go after what they want. And confidence doesn't equal competence, right? Right. And I think that that's the female. It's like, I have to be super competent to be Mm -hmm. confident so Mm -hmm. I can go after that next thing. And men, they're saying in this article that men are just like confident because that's what they've been program to believe, to see and have obviously other mentors to watch and follow and lead by example where we don't. Yeah. No, totally. I think that's right. You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. And side bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. And then another thing that I just noticed in this article is the authors say, imposter syndrome took a fairly universal feeling of discomfort, second guessing, and mild anxiety in the workplace and pathologized it, especially for women. Mm -hmm. As white men progress, their feelings of doubt usually abate as their work and intelligence are validated over time. They're able to find role models who are like them and rarely, if ever, do others question their competence, which is basically what you're saying, contributions or leadership style. Women experience the opposite. Rarely are we invited to a women's career development conference where a session on overcoming imposter syndrome is not on the agenda. And I think that that's just what it's like this constant reinforcement, reinforcing reinforcing either way. If you're a guy, like maybe we all arrive into the workforce or into academia in the same state, right? Like of muddled confusion and vague ambition. And then (laughs) like once you're on the path for white guys, it's just like constantly reinforced. Like you're doing great. Nice work, man. Like whatever it is that people say to them. And for us, it's like you brush up against power too much. And like, you're constantly 
socialized to be put in your place and to question yourself. So it's like, you're not crazy. You get 10 years into a career or 15 Mm -hmm. or 20 years into a career Mm -hmm. and you've just the daily experience socializes you to be a certain way. And it's like, it's not your fault, right? It's just not. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I'm thinking about like a lot of women will leave careers like corporate careers and come over and start a business because they think either that's the next thing or they're not getting anywhere in their corporate job. And so let's leave that and bring my expertise over here. And what is, I think just, it often just the patterns repeat, like initially you're so excited about building your business and the freedom and it's all under your control until you, like in our situation, go and seek capital Yeah, and it all happens all over again, right? So, oh yeah, (laughs) I think that was like our last on steroids. Yeah, on steroids. Yeah, (laughs) you are Icarus, my friend. You are flying a little too close to the sun. Like Mm -hmm. you better check yourself because you are getting too close to that center of power and money. Like that is what the last couple years have been. Yeah. Yeah, And like such, wait till the memoir comes out, everyone. (laughs) This is just all fodder for the memoir that one day will be written about this experience. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think, I just think as the mother of a young girl who's entering adolescence and her own journey kind of into like standing alone in this society and trying to do big things. Like I just, I'm trying to think about what is the most protective and helpful way to guide someone into this process, into this reality. And like, it's also kind of selfishly like what I want to do for myself. Like, okay, knowing all of this, like experiencing all of this, now what, right? So if the answer isn't only self-development and like self-analysis, what else is there? Like, where do we go from here? So obviously that's a piece of it. And then what? Like, what is the most productive way for us as women who support other women achieving great things in business, like what the hell do we do now? Like this doesn't really answer it, but I think it's a really important, it's playing a really important role, which is like women sharing it with each other all across the internet. (laughs) And I, it's like, okay, so don't just think you have imposter syndrome and that it's up to you to fix it. Like that's step one. Yeah. No, that's like, it's what's next. Well, now what? And I, I don't have an answer. I don't know if you have one, Sandy, or like you have thought about it after reading this, but. Well, I, like my background and training is working at it on the individual level. I have yeah. less thoughts about how to change the system, the world, the corporations, the men, the leaders. I don't know. But I do think these kind of conversations where we can start to recognize, oh, that's what's happening here. Got it. See it. Yeah. Right. So things like, and I, I think it's maybe helpful, Jenny, to talk about like, maybe you don't. Cause I, I kind of thought to myself, I don't know that I really have imposter syndrome. And then I read a bunch of things and I'm like, oh shit. Yes, I do. Yeah. So things yeah. like you start to question your accomplishments, like it was just lucky or yeah. you were just in the right place at the right time, or it was just, you know, maybe you had some connections a, a friend got me this job and you completely take away anything that you would have contributed to it. Like the fraudulent feeling, like I'm going to be discovered as we talked about before. This is me. This is what I do. You look around and everyone is working harder than you or is smarter than you or does a better job than you. That's imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome. Mm -hmm. If you're always afraid of making a mistake, even though you've done something like 180 times and you still worry that if you screw up, it's going to be completely catastrophic, that's imposter syndrome. And I just, it's like, there are facts 
like how many hours I work and the work that I do that I could argue with myself about how I'm, you know, I work just as hard. Like there's the facts and then what I I believe, right? And they don't match mm-hmm. and that's that cognitive dissonance. So I do think that there's some work to be like, what are the thoughts that I can come up with that help me be just sort of neutral about it and move into a place of full belief that I am I'm equal and I know that you may not get treated as equal but the belief that the word like I am worth the separation of your worth and your work I think that's a big part of where this comes down to too I read another thing that was talking about Jenny when you talk about your daughter that we sometimes moms of girls will you know back off on the you need to look pretty narrative Mm -hmm. and they will focus on like, you need to be really smart. You need to do really well in school. And so those young girls just shift their focus from having to look pretty to having to be smart. And then Mm -hmm. if they're not smart, if they're failing, if they're not, you know, all A's or into Ivy league, then again, it's like, it starts all over again. Like the the Mm -hmm. feelings of doubt and shame and all of that. So Mm -hmm. I think we have to teach our girls that we're worthy just because we exist. It doesn't matter what you look like. doesn't matter what you achieve. Yeah. I think, of course, that's amazing. <laughs> that's an amazing thing to teach them. I think with my daughter, and we should do like whole conversations on like how to talk to young people about business, but I have essentially tried to like infuse in her entrepreneurship as at like the cellular level that part of her survival in this world is by being able to serve people and get them to pay money for something. Like it's like a constantly changing landscape, but your ability to survive in this world is your like is based on your ability to get people to pay you. And like for her, it's art. She's a talented artist. And so like it's been years of teaching her how to make something that like only really she can make in a way that delights people so that they want to pay money for it. And then how to actually charge enough money so that it's not, you know, 50 hours of time for $10. Like that's been a constant education. But I think it's like, I've tried to tell her that like she has gifts that no one else in the world has. Like it's not a competitive landscape. Like her genius is not competitive. And so it might not look like what other people great at school or, you know, what other people think is really fun for a young kid to do, but like it's her unique genius and that's the most valuable thing that she can contribute. But it's also separate from her. Like if she decided she never wanted to make art again, that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. she can just make it for her too. But like as an entrepreneur, she never has to get tied into these systems if she can get this thing right. Like Mm -hmm. she doesn't have to expose herself to the kinds of risk that I have exposed myself to if she can figure that out at this age. And so I've been really open with her about my experience. And like, she's very much an activist because of the stories I've told her. And like, she went with me early on, Sandy, when I was fundraising, when we were doing that the first round, you know, I would take her with me as like a four-year-old to go pitch to investors. And she did not understand what was happening as a four-year-old, but she has like memories of the experience, right? And she definitely picked up on my energy as we would leave those meetings. And she would ask me questions like, mama, why are you sad? You know, what is, why do you go talk to that man if it makes you sad? So anyway, I think just being honest and trying really hard at a young age, not to, not to let her think the world is fair because it isn't. 
I tried that with my son and yeah, he's so anti-capitalism. Yeah. It's hilarious. Like, he just wants a job. Yeah. He won't even like, I told him all the stories and exposed him. Like, isn't this great? Look what happened. This is so exciting. And he just is like, yeah, I want nothing to do with business. I'm like, oh, so I don't know. But he doesn't understand that he's like a cock and a wheel if he goes and gets a job. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) But you know what? Maybe that's actually the best way. Like maybe, like I fantasize about it. Like I went to a bookstore this weekend and there was all these women, like quiet women in this wonderful independent bookstore with these beautiful books and these like fun gardening tools and jewelry at the counter. And I just like looked at these people and I just was so jealous and envious of their life. Like, I just want to retire and like sit in a bookstore and just sell people books. Like, I don't want to have to analyze like everything and debate everything. And, you know, like there's a part of me that I know, obviously it's like, if that was my actual job, I'm sure I would have a lot of one day. Mm-hmm. I know that's probably true, but <laughs> let me have the fantasy, Sandy, that one day I'm going to retire and sit in a bookstore or a gallery or something like because that I have to hold on to that, that there's a simpler way, like where you get your joy from something else, right? Mm-hmm. Like your pleasure yeah. is not necessarily from your success at your career. Like yeah. I think people do live like that and I, yeah. I've i never understood it, but I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, totally. So, Okay. So yeah, we'll put the link of this article in there. And I think it's just great conversation for our listeners and their girlfriends and the women in their lives about believing that they've had imposter syndrome. What does that look like? And like, maybe we should just abandon that whole term and work on the systems, right? But this also has to come into like the men who are in leadership who who actually understand that you can't just like right off that woman. No, she's got imposter syndrome. Like she's never going to make it. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. I don't know the solution either, but I do think we have to be aware of it. We have to fix our internal beliefs about ourselves. We have to improve that self-concept and go forward and build what we want. And together, maybe we can take down the system. Yeah. Or like maybe call it imposter system. I know imposter is still a problematic word, Mm -hmm. but maybe like instead of imposter syndrome, it's imposter system because Mm -hmm. you are systematically made out to be an imposter. Like, yeah. And you start to internalize it, but it's not like you had some weirdo belief that you somehow, you know, through a psychological disorder started to manifest for your, like, it's not, Mm -hmm. that's not Mm -hmm. what it is. Right. Right. You were systematically told you don't belong Mm -hmm. in this certain sphere of influence. And that starts to get internalized, just like anyone in any situation, if they're told the same thing a hundred times a day, eventually, guess what? It's going to start to rub off on your sense of self. So maybe that's the answer. Like maybe we just refuse to use the word syndrome now. Like I think I'm going to boycott syndrome. Okay, done. Let's boycott it. (laughs) Okay. All right, Sandy, you have the joy for today's episode. Okay, I have a really weird one, but this was my Sunday yesterday. This is what I did. There is, Jenny, just you're going to type this in as we're talking or as I'm talking. Oh it's called gosh. Honomobo, so H-O-N-O-M-O-B-O.com. These are mobile, like prefab homes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's like that. See, I paused <gasps> there for you to get prefab homes oh. made in Canada or they're here in Canada, but they do stuff installations in the States. They're oh. kind of like one, like there's three, you know, two bedroom, three bedroom, whatever. There's very few options, which makes it oh more affordable, because, but they're like, right. They're Scandi, they're white, they're clean, they're floor to ceiling windows. It's beautiful. I'm obsessed. Mm-hmm. 
And now I just need to allow my father to crane drop one of these babies onto his land. <laughs> oh, I'm totally going to build this on on our ocean view property. Right. And because there's so few options, like you have a few Mm -hmm. options, but it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. this is what you get. They can keep the pricing control. They keep the timeline in control. It's all prefabricated wherever. And they literally Mm -hmm. drag it in and drop it. And they also have like little bars, like one of the local ski hills here has a it's called Hanomo Bar. And Mm -hmm. oh, they're just little, and they're used shipping containers. So they do like, you know, Mm use existing materials. It's kind of cool, right? And then you can build out decks and stuff and they can do it for you. Oh my God. I have been. So are the interiors done when they, like are the plumbing and everything's done when they drop it in? Yes, yes, yes. There's a thing on here, the process, like you can read through all the different steps, but they do come and hook up all that, all that stuff, I believe. And everything. 72,000 Instagram followers. Yeah. I have a big deal. They're a big deal. I know they're amazing. It's just beautiful, beautiful. So anyway, if anyone has land and looking to build, or it's not even just land, like people drop these into cities too. There's a whole bunch of examples of project examples that they have and they're in cities too, but they're absolutely, nobody would ever know that that's a container or Mm -hmm. a prefab home in any way. Well, thank you for sharing that. I love a cantilever and I see that that that's possible. Like I really love a cantilever. Yeah. (laughs) You don't find a lot of prefab. Deliver homes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you for sharing. That's great. Okay, hustle. All right. So the hustle for today is our shop. It's we sell templates, like legal templates, copywriting templates, some design templates. We have all kinds of little things. We've got some mini courses in there. It's the luminousshop.com, the luminousshop.com, all one word URL. And it's our little baby store. And we love it. And we love like making trinkets and treasures, digital supplies that could be useful for you in your online business and putting them in there. And we're kind of constantly putting new stuff in there. So if you haven't checked out the shop yet, you should head on over. We have like a spin it to win it wheel of fortune roulette wheel where you can get yourself a nice little discount for your first purchase. And I think our most popular purchase as the legal template for a liability waiver. Yeah. But there's lots of great copywriting templates in there too. Thanks to Sandy. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Jenny. All right. Thanks, Sandy. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.